Welcome to the Cisco ANZ podcast, exploring the promise of 5G. This is the third in a series brought to you by Cisco Systems, exploring the 5G ecosystem, business models, and service provider technology stack. I'm your host, Daniel Hutchins, Principal Architect with Cisco Australia. This podcast series is split into three episodes, where we're exploring the three pillars we see for 5G success, monetization, optimization, and industry partnerships. This time, we're going to take a look at industry verticals, what the verticals are looking for, and how we think service providers and Cisco can partner to create value. Today, I'm joined by two guests. Firstly, Azita Kia from our Global Mobility CTO team. How are you going, Azita? Very well. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, Azita. And secondly, we have Brian Jackson joining us from my adopted hometown of Melbourne. Brian looks after architecture on the enterprise side of Cisco Australia. How are things going, Brian? Good morning, Dan. Things are going great. Thank you. Delighted to be here today. Before talking 5G, we ought to look at the broader context and transformational themes within enterprise, especially within the Australian-New Zealand market. So, Brian, what are you seeing the enterprises look at? Sure, Dan. The main drivers that we see, first of all, from a business perspective, is about moving faster. And what this is driving then in terms of the technology adoption is is more adoption of cloud. It's driving simplification of infrastructure and more and more automation. Uh, The second transformational theme or driver that we see is around cost management. And finally, the third is really around resilient services. From an enterprise perspective, there's been a large number of high profile outages within Australia over the past 12 to 18 months. And the reality is now there's zero tolerance for services that aren't resilient. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Brian. And Azita, any additional thoughts from a global context there? Um, Globally, I would say enterprises are looking to use uh, more wireless in very many new use cases and with automation and versatility that we have not seen before. We are seeing trends in all directions, anywhere from tracking of personnel to devices to taking advantage of automated machinery in order to haul various uh, items around to application of um, uh, augmented reality, remote experts. These are some technologies that uh, were usually considered to be somewhat forward-looking and uh, established in universities and labs, but now we are seeing them uh, being taken up by enterprises because the applications are becoming more available. And also from the wireless um, direction with the advent of 5G, we are seeing more spectrum being allocated around the world for enterprise use cases, and enterprises are taking advantage of them. Thanks, Cesar. Brian, you work extensively with enterprise customers. How aware are they of 5G and its uniqueness and what it's bringing compared to what we've had in the past? Dan, there's very strong awareness around 5G within Australia. Within businesses, it's actually really interesting for 5G because it is one of the few technologies where there's actually strong awareness both from line of business and of IT. That's a winning formula, if you like, if there's adoption and if there's awareness from both business and IT. We saw that with cloud. We saw that with technologies like AI. The awareness starts out with the enhanced mobile broadband or, or, or mobility. There's common knowledge, particularly amongst carpeted enterprise, around what 5G will bring around mobility and higher bandwidth. When we move into the other use cases, for example, around uh, massive IoT or indeed ultra low, low latency, 
it, that's where we need to look at the specific verticals. So within the industrials, there is far more awareness of the capabilities there. So you mentioned some specific vertical interests. Azita, any unique requirements we're seeing from some of the verticals that Brian hinted at? The, the requirements are not coming through in very granular forms from the specific customers. 3GPP has done an excellent job of uh, raising use cases and specific requirements that has to be satisfied for 5G. But what we are seeing is that as we talk to the various verticals, they are very curious to understand what capabilities technology brings and how those capabilities actually map to their specific needs. While the technologies that are available are very exciting and very interesting, the, the specific details of how they get deployed is dictated by what the enterprise really wants to do. Okay, so given that, can you talk to any specific verticals we've done some work with and our awareness of what they're looking for? Certainly. So most immediately, a lot of use cases we are seeing where regular devices who are in use, such as cell phones, can actually run applications and take advantage of the new spectrum ranges. And tracking connectivity in areas that may not have been possible in the past, those are immediately very much in demand. Uh, there is a lot of uh, video surveillance. So video surveillance is a very heavy application. It requires a lot of throughput with good amount of latency. Uh, vehicles that are automated, so AGVs, um, are very much in demand. And many of those cases, the simplistic vehicles are possible right now. But as we look at those verticals, the complexity of the use cases are pointing towards more spectrum use and more sophisticated vehicles. Talking about, I suppose, moving on from there, device availability. We, we know that many devices have, have Wi-Fi today and there's been a new generation of, of, of Wi-Fi that's available now, Wi-Fi 6. And you know, there's been a fair bit of discussion around the roles of 5G and Wi-Fi 6. Um, just wonder if we've got any commentary we could add to that. Yeah, so when you look into the details of what is there, they're actually very similar in terms of the type of throughput, lower latency with scheduling and QoS, the uh, power efficiencies that have been put in the radios, they're all very, very similar. So as we go to talk to the verticals who are interested in modernization, many of them, especially in the carpeted, as well as even in the industrial use cases, they're using Wi-Fi. And they're very eager to move to Wi-Fi 6 because there's a simplicity about Wi-Fi that attracts them very much. Nevertheless, there is benefit in using 5G when it comes to higher reliability, uh, the better, um, you can say, security for very tight control loops with the ultra low latency that is possible. And also just more spectrum all around. Okay. Yeah. And, and any thoughts on that, Brian? What are we seeing with Wi-Fi 6 adoption in your customers? Dan, what Wi-Fi is critically important to the enterprise customers. We've we've largely seen the untethering of the workforce over the last couple of years, and that's been driven by the availability of Wi-Fi 6. The awareness of, of the complementary uh, technology set between Wi-Fi 6 and 5G is, is also reasonably high within enterprises. They understand that there's a synergy there. They don't quite know the right mix of, of both in terms of things like, you know, future roaming. But what's absolutely clear in their mind is that this will be business case driven. In other words, the choices to whether something is going to be enabled by Wi-Fi or 5G will come down to have there been existing investments that have been made and what is the business case? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, Aziz, I just wondered whether you had any additional insights on the agri-sector based on the uh, 5G rural first activities that Cisco was involved in in the UK. 
basically it has been around for more than two years now. They finished their phase one and they really implemented a 4G with the early 5G feature that was COPS, the control plane user plane separation. So that has been a, a fantastic proof of concept that connected the, the Northern England, the Orkney Islands area and you know, provided wireless and for connected agriculture and tourism. It, it was really very fine. Uh, since we're talking use cases, I want to also bring to your attention the case of utilities. We are seeing uh, pick up very heavily across the globe, actually. And um, it has to do with development of smart grid and all the wireless that is necessary uh, to connect the grid components together. So that's the use case that we are seeing utilities companies trying to build either private 4G with uh, different spectrums. There are three spectrums, uh, 900 megahertz, for example, that is being freed up for these companies. So uh, we think that the utilities is another huge space as smart grid development goes on. Okay, yeah. And I just sort of continue what's happening in the enterprise. There's been a quite a transition or a lot of hype uh, now a transition towards SD-WAN for the uh, WAN side of the connectivity. So how do we see SD-WAN and 5G playing together? I, I see these two as absolutely symbiotic. Uh, SD-WAN has been the, the number one transition within the, within the WAN space, certainly within Australian enterprises for the last 12 to 18 months. And we expect that to continue over the ne- next year to two. Uh, where we see the intersection of 5G and SD-WAN is, is about giving the right level of choice to customers. Um, most SD-WAN environments are hybrid environments. In other words, they're choosing different underlying technologies, whether they be traditional MPLS or NBN, and we see 5G being rolled into that. Uh, what SD-WAN brings on top of that is, is, is coherency, control, consistent policy and security. And this is what's critically important to enterprises. And as we look forward towards more managed services, the ability for enterprises to maintain that control in some form is absolutely critical. Okay, yeah, great, Brian. And Zeta, I think you were about to say something there. Yes, um, I just want to complement what Brian just said with a few more comments on SD-WAN. With SD-WAN, the the most important uh, distinction is really the term SD, software-defined. And software-defined trends have been going on for many, many years, and 5G basically brought it into mainline in the sense that the, the cores, the 5G cores, are all virtualized. And what virtualization and software-defined brings to the table is flexibility. I think that's going to be one of the most important issues that is going to enable both service providers to not only be able to offer consistent um, services, but also offer them in mixes and ways that have not been possible before. Yeah, right. So in, in preparation for this, I think, Brian, we were discussing... Know, what what the advent of cloud has done and what, how that's changed possibly enterprise customers' expectation of service provider offerings. So uh, any, any thoughts there at all? Sure, Dan, cloud has been a really interesting one. Enterprise services are managed. There are a number of uh, ways in which enterprises can now manage services. If you look even within the, the Cisco portfolio through, you know, Meraki, for example, is a great example of a cloud managed service. What this is driving within customers is the realization that there are some services that they can manage themselves. And there are some services that they are simply too complex for them to take. Uh, enterprises are absolutely focused on their core business. They don't want to unnecessarily build services that are not core to their business. So f- what cloud is bringing is, is this new view on what is the right mix of services you build yourself, services you manage yourself, 
And this is driving a new appetite for selective sourcing. Uh, and this in turn is changing the relationship with their managed service providers. So if you look within, certainly within the, lar- the, the higher tier of enterprise within Australia, it has largely been driven by often quite ubiquitous and homogeneous service management contracts. We're seeing a lot of enterprises now selectively saying, well, there are portions of this that I want. There are portions of this that I want from my service provider. And there are portions of this I want from my service provider with new and different control points and new and different SLAs. SLAs are really, really important as we move towards this real-time world. If we look at some of the verticals, for example, within Australia where 5G is being adopted, uh, mining is a great example. And within mining, uh, two of the primary use cases are around safety uh, and around automation. And and both of those require real-time control and service levels to go with that. There's absolutely zero tolerance for a service outage. There's absolutely zero tolerance for safety compromises. So, you know, this is driving this new SLA relationship. So as, as enterprises start to reimagine the service contracts with the service providers, they're looking for what is this right mix of management and the right level of SLA. Yeah, I think that's quite interesting because we've been you know, talking about SD-WAN where largely that's driven by thinking that, you know, the internet is good enough. But what you're saying is for, at least for some applications and some verticals, um, you know, best effort is not good enough and we need strong SLAs and a highly resilient service. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Azita, any, anything additional you could add there about how service providers might evolve their offerings? Uh, yes, about SLAs. SLAs are very important topics that I think are also going to evolve. Um, historically, it has been very interesting trend to pay attention to um, service providers, especially cellular MNOs. Um, their business has been basically driven by commercial cellular with very simple service models. Now, with the 5G and visualization and software-defined everything, um, they are going to be able to become more flexible, hopefully more nimble with more automation, and capable of offering granular SLAs uh, in ways that they probably weren't able to do before. However, that whole space of contractual agreements of what type of latency throughput QoS is going to be offered at what cost, that still needs to be evolved. And I think service providers are eager to get into those discussions. And enterprises, I think right now, they are still thinking that there's a lot that they can do themselves. But as things evolve, they would realize that to reduce the complexity of their operation, they better leverage some service from service providers. So we're going to see a lot of evolution happening on that subject going forward. Yeah, great. So it seems like, um, yeah, again, just reiterating the importance of SLAs and evolved offerings that enable enterprises to pick and choose, but make sure they get a, a really quality service. Yes. Brian, I thought you maybe had some additional commentary. This is going to be particularly important as we start to see 5G move inside the enterprise. So this this is where this boundary becomes far more blurred. For 5G to be successful within the enterprise itself, this is where enterprises are going to need a new level of control and a new level of consistency. You know, there's simply going to be no room for islands of, of technology and islands of 5G sitting alongside islands of, of enterprise technology such as Wi-Fi or other. And a consistent integration between the two worlds is going to be absolutely required. And what I mean by this is that if a, an IT manager wants to define a policy for security or for quality of experience and assurance, 
And that needs to be consistent with both the traditional enterprise technology such as Wi-Fi or wired, as well as the 5G component. Now, that's not been possible in the past because quite simply, you know, LTE services have been delivered as a, as a service to enterprises and you consume it in the fashion that the service has been delivered. Uh, enterprise adoption of 5G is going to require more granular control where the enterprise has the ability to influence the policy, uh, perhaps even has the ability to manage their own service via portal. Uh, and indeed, looking forward, you know, going back to what Azita was talking earlier around software-defined, the ability to software-define their own 5G service, to be able to take a policy uh, that's that's heterogeneous and enterprise wide, and apply that within the S domain, within the five G domain. This consistent technology across the broader set of the enterprise is going to be critical if five G is going to be successful in permeating the boundaries of the enterprise and becoming successful as a technology pervasively across an enterprise. So, is it any thinking around? how enterprise, Cisco, and service providers can better partner to deliver a better outcome here? Service providers and you know, managed services to enterprises is ongoing. And in terms of partnership, there's a lot that is going on there. With the advent of 5G, what's happening is that um, service providers want to enter into areas of partnership or service offering that they weren't doing before. And those are the mission-critical enterprise use cases where enterprises are very sensitive to make sure that the type of resiliency and the type of reliability is going to be enabled because at the end of the day, that hits their bottom line. Some of the trends that we are seeing that is going to be interesting, and this is this is really just happening recently because of COVID, because there's going to be higher demand for wireless at that last mile, this being either an enterprise or for actually home users, because we are all at home now. The demand is very high and all of those demands are requiring wireless. And that means more spectrum and better spectrum, better wireless, which 5G is promising. We are going to see a booming of all of these various use cases as we go forward uh, post-COVID. Dan, if I could just add to the point around the partnership between service providers and enterprises. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think it's it's really, really important. If you remember that service providers are not just mobile network operators. Um, most of the service providers I work with have extensive skills around IoT practices, for example. So when we start to look at how we might build a smart city, what services, what service providers can bring is, is not just a mobile network operator skills and competencies, but the ability to bring a smart, to build a smart city more broadly. And that includes all of the IoT connectivity and all of the elements that bring that together. So I think that's critical is that, you know, service providers can bring their entire skill set to bear and not just their 5G offerings. We've talked a fair bit about what's going on in industry, how we understand what they want and how things are evolving. Brian, do you have any tips that you would give service providers about how they should be engaging their customers? I think flexibility is, is, is first and foremost, you know, utility-based pricing, for example, or whether it be flexibility around services or flexibility around terms. Uh, enterprises are, ex- are expecting this now. There's no longer an appetite to view services in the way they have done uh, in the past. Uh, the second one I'd say is around control. And particularly as we see 5G moving from, as I mentioned earlier, from being at the boundary between the enterprise and the service provider to permeating inside the enterprise, I should say. It's about recognizing that enterprises will want to have control, whether it's control around security, uh, policy, assurance, 
um, this shared environment between the enterprise and the service provider is absolutely key. Okay, thanks, Brian. And, and Aziza, any, any thoughts from yourself? Excellent points that Brian brings up. And uh, that is agility, I would say. Most of the improvements in um, the architecture that we are seeing, whether you're talking about disaggregation, uh, virtualization, software-defined, cloudification, all of these architectural evolutions that have come our way have ultimately enabled creation of new services, different mixes of services with tools that um, enable developers to move much faster. So if I were to advise the service provider team, I I would ask them to become more agile for offering new services because enterprises are shopping around and they are going to go after service providers who can actually help them immediately. So the, the long cycles of service creation, I think, are over. The service providers have to become more agile, somewhat similar to cloud providers, to be able to really compete effectively for uh, winning the businesses of the enterprises. Okay, guys. Well, I think we're about out of time for this podcast. Um, just to summarize what we've been talking about, Cisco has been working deeply with industrial enterprise to understand their use cases for 5G, as well as the wider network ecosystem, including SD-WAN and Wi-Fi 6. But we do see potential for a change in the business model for carriers to be more cloud-like, uh, offer more flexibility, and potentially a change in commercial model to go with 5G. So I just want to say thanks for uh, your time today, Brian. Pleasure. Thank you, Dan. That's very insightful. And uh, Azita, yourself. You're very welcome. It was a pleasure. Oh. Yeah, thanks, Azita. So uh, please feel free to find any of us on LinkedIn if you'd like further discussion on anything we've talked about. Well, that is the final episode of the Cisco ANZ podcast series. If you enjoyed it and found it useful, please let us know. And maybe I'll get an extension to my recording contract. If you want to know more about Cisco in service provider, there is a blog site, blogs.cisco.com, where you can find more information. Thank you for listening. Thank you.